Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. All right. Hey, Greg. Thanks a lot for joining me. Um, we got some mutual friends on the island. They said, you got to talk to this guy. So here we are. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's the fall. We're, we always hope for good wind. Um, are you getting any foil sessions, anything on the coast? <laughs> we talked about oh, it a bit yeah, before. Yeah, but yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's the worst time of the year to ask me that question. We have like a, a doldrums period where the wind kind of starts shutting down mid-September and then our surf doesn't really start picking up in earnest until let's say, you know, mid to end October. So I've just, I've kind of started to get the shakes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Loading up on like vitamin D and just doing other stuff, I guess, or? Yeah, I, uh, a little bit of skateboarding, some squash, just trying to stay, stay in the game. Yeah. Hey, squash is fun. I haven't played that in a long time. How long have you been I'm doing that for? Um, you know, intermittently for, for a while, but I just picked it up as like a, a fun thing to do to keep the cardio up. Um, maybe it'll help my pumping, but probably not. (laughs) Nice. Well, Hey, since we're talking about foils, let's maybe step back to when was the first time you ever hopped on one? So yeah, I, I got a Peter Letterer who was LP foils. I got a a 720 kind of like, at the end of the day, it was kind of a high aspect, um, kite foil. And thinking that would be like a good foil to learn on with a 110 centimeter mast and, and a big high volume, uh, uh, you know, kite foil board. So that was about, that'd be about eight years ago now. So, so yeah, learning in like high wind with a small kite, just getting like ragged all around, but eventually it came together and it was actually, it was a super nice foil. I still, I still kind of look back fondly on that, um, that time just ripping around flat water with a, with that, that board. Cause you know, the, the spot come up spit where. We just got that glassy flat. So it was a great place to learn when it wasn't like hectic, strong wind. Yeah. For those who aren't aware, you're kind of just nestled in this beautiful valley surrounded by mountains. And then you get to have this buttery little smooth, perfect spot for, for kiting. How's winging in there? Is it doable or is the wind kind of get cut off a bit? I mean, I think it's a, uh, I think it's, a, it's a really good spot to wing. Um, probably I haven't actually winged in there. I, I imagine there's a bit of like lift, um, from the wind as it comes over the spit so it's probably a little bit better quality for kiting but i imagine it's a really good spot to learn to wing that's where that's where most guys up there are learning just because you have this protected little cove but there are no waves so if you're of the kind that is looking to basically use the wing as a chairlift to get upwind and then ride the waves back downwind um, it's not bad but it's a good place to learn the basics and to rip around yeah, there's a couple of really good spots on Vancouver Island that are that are great. Like Nitnat Lake and stuff is one of the kind of a pristine places to learn. You got Elevation Kite School there, and then also China Creek is pretty decent now with uh, with Paul running Windrider there. Even some spots in Vic overall. There's a couple like um, couple bays there that are pretty decent to learn in. But at least it's pretty. It's a it's a cool island because there's so many different places that you can go and you get different conditions everywhere. Yeah. So I find it would be a pretty decent place to test out gear because you can get some good waves and stuff if you head out into the coast or you can get perfect buttery flat. Um, you get good current in other places. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, we get the whole gambit of like really good clean conditions to just like messy, trashy slop, which 
I actually, that's what I kind of love about changing, like shifting from winging or sorry, from kiting to winging is I almost prefer those crazy hectic days. Cause there's just, when you're going downwind, there's so much to play with. And like, you know, I, I love going to hood river where you've got just like these mm. perfect swells rolling down, but, and it, you know, you just totally get your fill of carving as hard as you possibly can. But I almost get bored after like a week of that. Whereas here, and I mean other places in the open ocean, when you get that like more more chaos, there's big waves and small waves, different directions. I kind of like that like snakes and ladders game of climbing through it. Oh, fair enough. We were at um, we got it to Sandbanks this weekend, so Saturday Sunday, and I got to foil at a, at one of my buddy's secret spots, and um, it was head high to a little overhead, but then it was going along this shelf. So when the waves, they weren't, it was kind of like a steam train. It was kind of, it wasn't break. It was just barely breaking, like crumbling. So yeah. you could ride it for a long time. But if you got too close to the shelf, the waves more to the left were breaking and then my whole foil would vibrate. So you'd feel, <laughs> I'd never felt that before because it's bigger stuff. So it was like the whole thing vibrates like, oh, okay, let's move over to the right. But some of that riding in there, same thing. It's all broken up a little bit and then it breaks on a series of shelves kind of thing, these little rock shelves and then boom you get this beautiful little thing that's there but riding in those conditions compared to riding in in something crystal it's it's a lot harder a lot yeah. harder how do you find that even just getting over like because there were head high sets getting over that and then making sure that you dip down afterwards because it's like a four or five foot thing so sometimes I had to hold my wing because my foil would come out, my board would drop, and then I would just float a couple seconds and then land beside it and hop back on. I'm brand new to surfing stuff that big, so it was interesting to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of different techniques you can use and, and, and gear. I would say gear choice makes a big difference. If you're running something that is tuned to, to kind of fly flat, the, the foil perceives those waves because there's flow moving upwards it actually perceives that curved surface as flat so if you have a foil that's kind of like tuned with a lot of front foot pressure or you have to put a lot on your back when you encounter that turbulence it's it's easier to breach or kind of like come down off foil whereas if you've got something mm. that's tuned to fly like really flat through the speed range i find it's easier to navigate that because it the foil kind of like tracks the contour without active without as active an input yeah, that's fair. Like I, I did it a couple times when I was almost cresting as it was starting to break. I said, this is too late, but I'm, I'm not, I was committed. <laughs> I couldn't turn around. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, it did it did fairly well. Like I'm riding an older Armstrong F1, uh, sorry, version 11550. It's just a, it's the only foil I bought. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get, enjoy this thing. And then when I get my, another one, uh, I'll see where it goes. But uh, it was, just, it was a pretty cool experience though. I'm yeah. hoping that you guys get some nice swells coming in, but no. Uh, to answer your question before, and I haven't proned. Um, it's just it's just been wing foil, yeah, hundred percent. That's a good beginner prone foil. That fifteen fifty. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't doubt. Hmm. Now, did you ever think winging or even foiling would get to where it is now with all this acceleration and technology, all these new companies hopping in? Like, I'm stoked to talk about you guys and what you're working on. Because your, yeah. your products are just coming out now, so. Well, I was in the industry at the, like, kind of at the at the very beginning of of winging. Um, so when I was I was big into kiting, and I was I was working for 
for Ocean Rodeo, which eventually became Alula on the, that new that new fabric. So I was watching winging happen, and I thought it was pretty lame and unexciting at the at the very onset because I kind of just saw like I was I was into surf foiling, and then I was kite foiling, yeah. and uh, and then riding like you know a normal like a strapless surfboard, and I kind of saw these guys like just you know cruising around, and I was like, well, it doesn't it just it just didn't really fit into what i wanted to do on the water it's not until i saw i don't even remember who it was but i saw a video of somebody downwinding with that and i was like he's just surf foiling with a wing in his hand and it, it was pretty early on but it just clicked for me and then i kind of i started getting some gear together and from then i was just totally in love and i think that's kind of the the hard thing although i think there's been a lot of content out there that has dispelled this, but in the early days, it's almost like when you're watching people out on the water, it's almost as if you're watching people, like you're going to a ski hill and just seeing the chairlift part. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, that's what you should call snowboarding. Like half the time or more, you're on the chairlift. Um, same yes, with surfing. It's for sure. You're mostly just paddling around. Yep. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And then winging, I guess it depends on what discipline you want to do, flat water, waves, whatever. But yeah, 100%. So that you were working in, what were you doing for Ocean Rodeo? Um, so they they brought me on um, really early on when, I guess uh, I'm trying to figure out how to like best summarize this, but there was a fabric project that one of the investors into Ocean Rodeo, he's a chemist and you know just a brilliant guy. And he came up with this idea of how to better fuse, you know, different polymer films to ultra high molecular weight polyethylene. And he brought it to the the Ocean Rodeo team and said, like the development team, and said, "Hey, like, do you think this could make a?" This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in Laventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a ten kilometer downwinder done with my buddy mickey from salt spring island today i got in an epic one with my friend Britt. um we went from latuna all the way to the beach and back um heck of a fun time if you're looking to learn there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at saladita kite school they are positioned at latuna and now that i've been here a little while i've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots it is one of the more beginner friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at Saladita Kite School. At Saladita Kite School. Kite fabric. And at first they're like, oh, you know, this has been tried before, Dynamo Composite Fabric, but let's uh, let's see how it works. And ended up building a prototype kite out of like a really basic uh, version of it. And it was it initially it just blew people away so like okay there's something here and they had a they had like a co-op student working on an initial kind of version to try to produce it a little bit better i think he did a six-month term they they brought me on as, as like a full-time guy to kind of figure out okay how can we adjust the layup to be better for our application how can we you know 
And more importantly, how can we make this an efficient process where we're actually producing yards at scale? And uh, based on my like experience in the military running uh, shops and teams for for different units, I was like the guy that they saw that could basically take this from an engineering project or a science project through to an engineering project and then actually like hire a team to to mass produce this stuff for the for our sport and for other industries. Oh, no way. So that's pretty cool that you got to work on on kind of that new... So because you're a mechanical engineer by trade? Yeah. It's crazy, eh? Do you think that you're bringing in all these, um, I guess, sophisticated kind of trades to come in and work on these now toys that we all get to play on? I always found that pretty fascinating because coming from the outside, you might not be aware of how much technology gets put into all these different things. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's awesome. How did does it feel to have that kind of contribution to wind sports just just with a little let's not even talk about omen yet i mean it feels kind of surreal like it's it's pretty neat we're seeing like some brands now like launching their alula products and there's going to be a lot more of that um over the next uh year or two so you know it, it still doesn't really feel that that real because we have this little little thing on on vancouver island where you know there's a handful of of you know hardcore wingers and kiters and surfers so you're kind of just exposed to this little bubble and sometimes it it kind of i see like a magazine or whatever and it's got like the alula wing it's like oh yeah that's that's out there and and some of the companies that you know um alula's engaging with outside of wind sports some some really big names and some exciting stuff is uh you know in the development process let's say oh that's cool so how did omen foils come to be this was really just my uh my passion project. Um, so like I was saying, I, I fell in love with winging, um, as I was working on these, these alluvial fabrics. And this was kind of how I was spending all my free weekends and, and evenings when I probably should have been thinking about how to, you know, better <laughs> create fusion at a, at a large scale. Um, but yeah, this is what I was doing every weekend and evening. And, uh, you know, it just, I, I think it was also a good opportunity with a couple of colleagues of mine. Um, a guy that I was a platoon commander with in the military um, was going through a career transition, and we kind of just decided that we wanted to start a business together. Um, and hmm. we have pretty like pretty complementary skill sets. Um, he's uh, he's really good at logistics and finance and business planning, and I'm kind of just a, a geek that wants to play around and make new stuff. Um, so we uh, we got together and uh, and kind of just said let's let's do something and and you know, foiling was what I was most passionate at the time. And my first foil was an LP foil and I knew Peter Letterer of LP foils. So I kind of reached out to him and just said, Hey, are you, you interested in, in doing a new foiling brand and, uh, focusing on R and D and taking a long time to get our, uh, our first product on the market, but having something that we can really lean heavy into design and manufacturing, have it be made in the U S and be, um, ultimately let the product speak for itself. And that was something that, that spoke to him. So he signed on and that, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of at the outset anyway. Oh, no way. That was yeah. pretty cool. So then how many, I guess, how many years did you guys do R and D? And cause I also read quickly that you had worked with the guys at uh, no limits. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's more recently. So we've been working on the foil for about three foils and boards for about three years and it was about a year and a half ago, maybe, I guess, a, so I guess a year into it that we approached Steve Meyer, uh, 
of No Limits and ICE, which is his like manufacturing uh, factory. And they had the No Limits V1, which we recognized at the point was like a, a really uh, amazing mast. And we wanted to focus everything we were doing um, as far as the manufacturing was concerned on the on the wings. So he was just a great partner because of everything he knew about and everything they were learning from V1 and their their spectacular high quality manufacturing, their access to all sorts of uh, you know cloths that you wouldn't be able to get as a smaller smaller production facility. Um, so it just it just worked out really well that we got to and and time wise they were just developing their V2. Um, so we were kind of able to, to work with, with them on that and have our own version of that. They're actually made in separate molds. Ours is like, it's very slightly different. We have a, a little bit of rake and, uh, and we have the, our foot is molded is like a direct molded on because our tool only has to compensate for, for our system rather than be adaptable to, to you know, all the other brands in the market. Oh, nice. So your manufacturing is based there then? They do the mass and they actually do the uh, the compression molded fuselage too. Why don't I can grab a foil? Yeah, no, that'd be awesome to kind of work through all of that so we could see. This is my this is my personal setup, so it's probably all actually it's not too bad, but <laughs> uh, so basically our system, we've we tried to keep things but we worked very hard actually to to make everything as thin and as small as possible um, because we believe that the highest possible efficiency across the widest possible range is the key to a foil that not only performs really well in one set of conditions but will allow you to get out in light wind and big waves and just have this just this diverse setup and, and efficiency is is key to that so the fuselage we've made it a stainless steel and gone basically as thin as we possibly could um, Hmm. And then this piece here, which is really just stiffness critical, it's not strength critical. Um, we've made out of compression molded um, carbon, so can't really see that because the lighting. But that's just a uh, that's basically this uh, Hexcel product that we that we use, and they put that under it's twelve thousand pounds per square inch um, to make this like oh, no super precise part. Yeah, so they do that for us as well as the mast. Now, how does that tie to, is that all one piece or is that tied together? Yeah. So basically the, the wing and this stainless steel section are permanently bonded. Um, so that way we okay. don't have any, anything interrupting flow or minimal flow interruption in this section here. And also like a super stiff, um, connection here because that's, that's what we've found in testing. Basically the, the connection between your mast and your front wing, like everything that's going on from here to the mast foot, you can have the stiffest materials and the best construction, but if you have any play in that, you know, you, you lose everything. So we did a lot of uh, engineering work to make sure that that is just absolutely locked in and there's no play. And even as this connection wears, like the carbon wears, it's a taper. So it'll just sit ever so slightly deeper and still like, the connection doesn't actually bottom out. Uh, it sits in that that tapered okay. uh, section there. That's exactly what Adrian was saying from Axis as well, because I had him on recently, and he's saying the the biggest and most important thing was that mass connection. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so let's work down that. So then you have 
the front wing is mounted to that, and then the how does the other piece attach to your to your tail? So this is just two uh, two screws. They're hard to tell because they're black, but they're just M6 okay. uh, hardware. So our fluid oh, okay. uses everything is M6. Um, there's three M6 bolts that basically suck that the mast foot into the fuselage. Um, these two kind of basically it's like a scarf joint from carpentry, and then you know the we've just got the standard. 30 millimeter spacing M6 for the tail. All right, cool. And then, so that's a higher aspect one? Yeah, this is our 850. Um, so okay. it's probably going to be like wider aspect when people are watching it, eh? Um, yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. I guess it's a mid, right? I would I would call this a high aspect. Um, both of our foils are 90 span. So our 1050, I would kind of call like a mid high aspect. And uh, our 850, I think is a, is a true, you know, high aspect foil. Okay. So what makes that different than a lot of other foils in the market? So I think it's 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 a matter of, I guess, like from a fundamental perspective, what it's designed for. So when we're designing this foil, we we rather than say, okay, we want a foil that goes really fast and is very efficient at high speed, or we want a foil that has the best possible low end, you can kind of shift your your foil performance in either of those directions we tried to do everything we could to make that as broad as possible so that when you're going slow mm. you have a lot of efficiency when you're going at medium speed you've got a lot of efficiency and you when you're going really fast you've got a lot of efficiency so because of that we don't have a peak so um generally i would say when people get on the our foil they'll say it has the first comment is they're surprised by how good the low end is but it's not as good as something like the progression project foils that are designed to have that like incredible low end like that's the main thing it's just he's designed it for these weak um florida surf so whereas when you when you do that you you have to compromise on the rest of the range and, and that's just like a, a design choice of course you know through skill design and simulation and testing you can you can mitigate those compromises um so i think that's kind of like fundamentally where we started is with the with the wing design is building something that has a huge range and then everything we've done with the actual system design has been to complement that range so going with like a really thin fuselage that makes a bigger difference than people think because generally people think of a foil as flying like straight at you so when the foil is flying straight the fuselage doesn't really contribute that much to the overall system drag because it's it's just about you know, uh, I mean, it's frontal area, but it's also a wetted area. But anyway, let's for argument's sake, let's, let's say it doesn't contribute overall that much. But the problem is when you're going slow, the foil's actually flying like this, as most people have uh, have felt. So in that case, when you've got mm -hmm. a thick fuselage, you have all this fluid moving over here. And especially if it's squared off, you get a lot of drag coming off the foil. And then similarly, when your foil starts going faster, it'll tip that way. So that's where you kind of get that that speed where it feels like a foil has a top speed because at some point you just can't put more energy into your wing because not only is the wing getting less efficient, but you're now you're getting all that drag from your fuselage flying through the water like that. I'm exaggerating, of course, but mm. but that's the reason we we went with that really thin fuselage is again to to increase the efficiency, but more importantly, increase the range of efficiency. Okay, okay. And then could we go a little bit into the shape and design behind uh, your front and rear wings? 
Yeah. Um, so we kind of, if you look at the, the profile in this way, the plan form, there's like a, a subtle uh, anhedral. So that is kind of what gives you that like nice controlled feeling when you're rolling and yawing around. And then the dihedral is what makes it a little bit looser. So it's pretty flat and, you know, a flat wing is more efficient, but we've kind of found that compromise between getting maximum efficiency. It's still having a little bit of that control surface, let's say exposed to be able to get a really smooth roll. Um, the wing tips are slightly raked back and that's again, based on, uh, like winglet design for, for aircraft. It gives you a little bit less drag because it moves those okay. tip vortices um, back. And rather than a winglet, which will kind of, which in aerospace is meant to give like, like for a jetliner, will give you efficiency at your cruising speed. The raked wingtip kind of, it works through a broader range of uh, angles of attack. So it'll give you increased efficiency through that kind of like low and higher end speed. Okay. Okay. So the same thing then applies to your tail. Yeah, the tail um, is a little bit different in its design. So what what we've done here is fairly large um, tail for the for the size, considering it's a high performance foil. But the benefit of this shape here is that it gives you this huge amount of area when you're going at low speed. So it gives you extra low speed lift. Um, but then when you start going really fast, um, you don't need as much of a tail because you get that angle of attack that gives you the downforce you need. So the wingtips, they actually, as the tail flexes, you change the angle of attack of the wingtips. So you're basically getting a smaller tail at high speed, if that makes sense. So you get less drag because of the change in angle of attack of the wingtips. Okay. Okay. Because um, who was it? I was talking to Richard of AFS and they were doing their wings that are a little bit more flexible yeah. near that tip as well. So they were playing around with something like that. So, so what is that doing for folks at home? So basically, again, it just gives you more range. So if your tips flex off at high speed, you, it allows you to run like your tail, like a little bit larger of a tail, but without having the drag associated with a larger tail at high speed. Because your tail gives you, you actually get some okay. lift from your tail when you're going at low speed. Most people like because generally it's you're getting downforce from the tail. When you're going really slow, you get uh, a lifting force, so you get more low end, um, and that's where our tail also has like a blended profile to make use of that. And then as you go faster and faster, now it's starting to produce downforce because of its shape and angle of attack. And then when you go really fast, you get the wings; these uh, wings starting to flex, and it reduces. It reduces the angle of attack of the wingtips like like that at really high speed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, it's technical stuff provided by an extremely oh, smart and technical you, person. So I guess we'll just have to <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to go with it. Nice. All right. Um, so why did you guys go with stainless steel? Just curious. Well, we wanted to go with aluminum because it's lower cost and um, more available, easier to machine. But ultimately, we also wanted the, the fuselage to be as thin and streamlined as possible. And aluminum just doesn't cut it. It's just not strong enough. Um, it's not stiff enough. So it was between titanium and stainless steel. And stainless steel is stiffer. So for our connection to work well and yep. have like that perfect fit, we wanted the, uh, the stiffness 
of stainless steel. And similarly here, we've got a thin kind of spigot that goes into our front wing. So we want that front wing connection to be really stiff um, in roll. So that kind of left really only one material, which was which was stainless steel. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, obviously, are, are you allowing people to play with shims and all that kind of thing yeah. for the tail? Um, so we, we have two tails and two front wings. Um, okay. So what we recommend people at, at first is just if you're riding a small, like 850, we have our uh, small tail pairs with that best. And then for the larger wing, the large tail pairs with that best. And they both run with uh, with no shim. We do include like a shim set with the uh, with the foils. And there's a there's a QR code on the wing. So you can scan that with your phone. And it basically recommends um, if you're switching up tails, like what, what shim to use. Um, like if you want to run the large tail and the small and, okay. and vice versa to, to get different attributes. And as we get more tails that we're trying and testing, we'll add them to that site so that, you know, if you get a different tail, um, like an aftermarket tail, you can scan that and we'll provide the shim, uh, that you could use to make that work with your, with your setup. I mean, tail tuning is something that I think is, can be personal. I think there's kind of like a right answer for 90% of riders, but there's 10% that are trying to get different things out of their foil. So they'll want to always want to be playing with it and tweaking with it. You can get quite techy with this and and make it do pretty much exactly what you're looking yeah. to do, which is pretty cool. So mast. Yeah, I'll grab a mast here. Sweet. <laughs> Let's check this puppy. Yeah, out. so that's our that's our mast. This is our our 87. So that's what pretty much everybody's using to wing. Um, we have an 80 um, and a 75 as well. The 75 is is clearly like a prone serve for downwinding mast. Um, and the 80, some of the, some of the surf guys are starting to use a longer mass and, um, some guys that are doing both surf and winging can get away with an, an 80 for both. But generally people that are, that are winging exclusively, we, we go with the, uh, people go with the 87 mast. All right. Now what's special about this little thing? I like the logo, by the way, who developed that? Uh, that was myself and, and Justin working on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. We spent a lot of time like messing with how to incorporate it into our designs. It's like it's such a simple thing, but you can really you can go down a rabbit hole and like just making all these little adjustments and yeah. It's one of it's one of it's actually something we both like both Justin and I enjoy from a design perspective. Like he kind of stays out of the the technical foiling stuff. Um and I try to stay up out of the like logistics and, and business side of things as much as I can. Um, but we both like really like the the aesthetic of kind of like a well-designed product from a, from that perspective. So so it's fun to to jam with that. Yeah, it makes a difference. Um, there there's such an emotional attachment to to gear and then what it looks like and then just how yeah it, it's a pretty big aspect of things. So it's cool that uh, obviously Thanks. everybody takes that into consideration. But I do like the logo. What makes it special? So yeah. Um, so I guess first of all is the the construction. Um, so we're using high modulus carbon fiber um, prepreg. So it's also a hollow mast. Um, so it's very light, um, very stiff, and very fast. So what the uh, what the profile is designed for is to basically give you maximum efficient. There's a concept called a drag bucket. Maybe I'll start with that. So similar to a front wing, um, 
you're not just concerned about drag when the mast is flying straight at you. You want to know what is the drag through the different angles of attack that uh, that the foil, you know, the system produces. So if you plot out drag as a function of angle of attack on a chart, you'll get like what's called like a bucket where, and that's the kind of angle of attack where the foil uh, is most efficient. That causes the least amount of drag for the for lift, right? Um, so yeah. Anyway, what this with this profile, it has the widest drag drag bucket um, and ventilation resistance. If anything that we could come up with, and for for I guess if somebody's getting brand new into it, yeah. So for somebody that's brand new into it, I'd probably say get a get a low cost aluminum setup <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but somebody that's like they're at the at the point where they've they've learned to foil they've uh and they're like oh i want to go faster i want to i want to be able to catch energy from waves and connect things and pump around that's where having less drag is going to help you um not that it won't help you as a beginner um it's always nice to have okay. to have less drag but it really really starts coming into into play when you're going faster um, and I don't even necessarily mean like 30 miles an hour. I mean, even kind of like 10, 15, when you're beyond that kind of just taxiing around phase. So, and then having that drag bucket, um, I guess it's, it's two things. Like a mass can be quite efficient in a straight line, but generally we're not going in a straight line, um, at least for what we're designing our foil tour, which is free ride wave. You're going upwind as hard and as fast as you can because you, you want to get back to the goods. And then once you go down, you're turning and you're trying to find different energy mm -hmm. sources of that, of that rising water to get lift out of, to, to glide around and move. So, so through turning, if you don't have uh, a good, well-designed mast, you're going to be losing a lot of energy through that turn and slowing down. Okay. Fair enough. And for those at home who might not know, what is ventilating? Uh, ventilating is basically when you've got a foil that's piercing the surface. So your mast is, it's always ventilating. Um, sorry, it's always surface piercing, right? And then at one point, if you create such an angle that you get a negative, so you're, you get like this low pressure side here and that can suck air down and you'll get the sudden loss of lift. Oh. Um, it happens commonly on wingtips. So we spend a lot of time designing our wingtips so it's that when you breach the water you don't get this like suction this bubble travel down that has this like sudden loss of lift and you fall have you ever felt that on your foil when you breach the wingtip yeah yeah so the mast is basically a foil that's always breaching the, you know it's important to have a front wing and a tail that breaches well and doesn't throw you off but you could get away when people people used foils for years that you know when you breached, you basically fall, but you need a mast, especially if you're kind of turning hard, that doesn't throw you off. So it's basically keeping, it's a measure of how well the mast keeps the flow attached. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Awesome. And what's that little, uh, you got some beautiful boards back there. Is that what I see? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we've got our, our full, not quite our full range of boards, but a good sampling. Um, so yeah, I can, I can talk about the three I've got here. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. So that's the 40 liter. Um, that's what I'm using for prone and winging and higher winds. 
Um, I guess I can, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just show you the full, both of them first and then talk about the design attributes. Oh, that sure, man. Yeah, that'd sense. be awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure. That'd be cool. So this is my other board. This is our, our 60 liter. So that's what I use for light wind winging. And then also for surfing, if it's like really small or really crazy and big and lots of current, I'll, I'll take the 60 as well. Like the biggest waves I've caught, I've used this one. Um, and then the last thing I'll show is our 84. And this is kind of getting fairly close to the, the downwind style of board. Um, it's quite long and narrow. But it's, you know, it's still under six feet. It's a 511. Um, so it's still a wing board um, rather than a stand-up paddle board. And that's 84 okay. meters. Okay. So yeah, people, that's been something that is connected with um, people from the very outset is our, our board designs, how we're going for these like longer, more efficient shapes. Um, rather mm -hmm. than thinking like, what is the shortest possible board I can wing with? We're kind of going it from the opposite saying, what is the lowest possible volume board I can wing with? Okay. Um, okay. So the narrowness has a couple, it has a couple benefits to it. So with, with the 60, which for most people would be kind of like their primary wing board. First of all, it's a lot more efficient through the water. So when you're trying to get up on foil, this board gets up like earlier than 20 liter boards, like boards that would be like 80 liters or above, just because it has so much less resistance coming to the water. Um, specifically, the, the hull design is what we call semi-displacement. So it has a displacement, like an efficient displacement hull that then moves into planing and starts getting lift from these surfaces in the back um, as you're getting onto foil. Um, so yeah, the other benefits of this, uh, of this hull shape is touchdown performance so you get this like really smooth clean touchdown because we can have we can draw out that nose rocker longer and have that more gradual you don't get like a sudden stop when you hit the water you okay. can just glance off and then the other big thing is it actually allows you to run a shorter mast so when you're using a really wide like a 26 inch wide board you have to have a longer mast because um ultimately the, it's the distance between your wingtip and the edge wow. of your board that you're basically either catching your rail or, or ventilating your tip. So by having a narrower board, you can get away with a shorter mast, which just makes your whole setup more responsive. Okay. All right. So you'd be a bit more yeah. dynamic. Um, anything else I can tell you on the boards? Um, I guess we can let people know that you're working. Do you want to let people oh, know yeah. where you're, where you're having them built? Yeah. Yeah. I was connected with Apple tree from, quite a while back, I was actually a, a team rider of theirs, um, kind of like loosely affiliated, let's say, um, with, uh, with kiting. Um, and they, they made me a surfboard too, which was, which was pretty rad. I love their surfboards. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So, so yeah, it was like a natural fit when, when we started wanting to do boards to, to complement our foils. Um, and then they're also amazing to work with as a company for, for, for a company like Omen that we don't want to go to a, go to a brand in China and say, Hey, we want to make, we want to drop $20,000 per size on a mold. Um, and then get boards made like really cheap and get them do a big marketing push to get them all over the world. Um, 
they let you do prototyping. So the prototyping is, is fairly low cost for each board. And then we just order as many boards as we, we think we could sell. So we pay a lot more per board. And I think that shows in the, the quality of materials and craftsmanship that they're able to do in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a different business model and one that I'm, I'm more comfortable with, both from like a financial perspective, but also from like, let's call it an environmental perspective. I'm not like, I'm not trying to like pump out like a thousand boards just to break even on a mold. We can, if we think we can sell 50 boards, we'll just make 50 boards. Yeah, I like that. Um, like I had Viker there on the on the show, and I liked his story and and the way they were approaching this. So it's, it's cool to see this this kind of connection between two companies that are that are looking to work. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I think like what they've done like with their boards and with the construction, it really it really connects with me, and I think it connects with our brand work because we've tried to do a similar thing. Like most companies, I think would would use lower quality materials and compromise on efficiency in little ways to make the product more affordable and something that people would trade up every couple of years. Whereas we're trying to give people more in terms of give them a product that is going to last for many years is going to either be able to have less foils because you can use it in a broader range of conditions. And I think that's, that's what app, Apple tree is doing as well with their construction, having, having the closed cell foam and um, <laughs> their way of using vacuum to infuse the resin. Um, to create that amazing bond to the to that phone, it's just it's something that you're you're not kind of buying something that's going to be disposable in a year or two. You can use this board as long as you'd like, and you'll be able to sell it as a really high quality item to somebody you know looking to kind of progress to that that step years down the road. So, so I like that as far as like building something that is not disposable. Like we want to build long lasting products that are are good and serve a serve you know the thing that we're passionate about for years to come yeah that makes sense and that closed cell and like i I did get the chance to try your board um my buddy george there who lives up in comox got one and uh right away i just noticed the stiffness aspect of it and um i love that little paint kind of style you got going on that was super cool yeah yeah, that's something we basically just stole right from Apple Tree. Like they've been <laughs> yeah. doing tail dips on their on their stuff, and I I thought it looked awesome. So we call it we call ours the signature guano colorway though because we've got because I didn't even notice this, but we've got our bird, and then my uh, my buddy was looking at one of the early, early prototypes, and he's like, "Oh, the bird's shitting, eh?" I was like, "Oh yeah, it is." Uh, so so yeah, on our yes, yeah. on our website, we discreetly refer to that as the guano colorway. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess what geese, like I've, I've been caught under some geese sometimes here because we're all, we're from Canada Yeah, where they take off, I guess they're all over the world. But anyways, they, they always shit when they take off. So I guess, I guess you're just giving us a bit more juice and lift. That's another selling feature. Yeah. You just get bird shit all over and it'll blend right into the paint. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> so, um. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about just those two? Because um, you had mentioned before that, that your foils and boards, are, are they just starting to come out to the market now? Yeah, they've been out for a couple months, um, both of them. Um, but they're they're both, like, as you said, they're very new products. Um, so we're not going to do like some sort of seasonal release cycle where we invest a lot into creating what we think are the best foils and best boards for, for the niche of... Uh, of winging and surfing in free ride, like free riding waves. Um, so yeah, this is this is what we got. Not to say we're not working on other stuff to complement it. 
Um, but yeah. Cause I know there's a bunch of stuff. Like when I was talking to Adrian, he was saying it's not just, um, like the surface area. So it's not just 1550 or whatever. He, there were so many other measurements and stuff that come into riding a foil cause to get you up in lighter wind and it doesn't necessarily need to be a high number in one, but there was a bunch of different variables there. So just wanted to get your thoughts and feedback as well on there. Cause if I'm coming to you and I'm like, okay, so I want to try your bigger foil. If I'm a hundred and let's say 60 pounds, um, what do you think I can get out on? And, um, and just, a, just on a low end. And then obviously the high end, you're just going to give me a lot more efficiency. So. Yeah. Well, I guess this is where I think, I think about the board and foil as a system. And I think people probably need with our foil, certainly they need less foil and more mm. board. So that's often when people are talking to me about boards and they're saying like, what's the one board I should get? It's, it's really tough. I think most people are most people are far better suited to have two boards. So the, the common quiver of our boards that I'm recommending to people is the 48 and the 72 for people in that kind of you know 180 to 190 range of intermediate skill level. Um, and then a lot of people with our with our system really just need hmm. the 1050. Um, depending if, if the waves aren't kind of overhead, um, the 1050 is a very fast foil, very, um, very efficient. It doesn't do anything weird at top speed. It kind of, it, it just kind of like keeps flying straight rather than kind of having that behavior where some foils will drop out or really try to push you off. It's very stable at speed. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess what I would say about where we, where we went with the foils, we, we think that. I, I believe that people need less foils. Like I see a lot of guys, they're always changing things out and especially the systems that take a long time to change. That's kind of what I, I'd like to get people away from is that that foil should be something that you're super connected with and know it incredibly well. So that when you're riding waves, you're, you're feeling what's going on through the foil, through the system. And then similarly, it's almost feeling what you're, you're doing. Like our, our logo in some ways represents kind of that and that it's organic mm -hmm. flight and that's what we're really trying to recreate it's like this organic experience where the foil is an extension of your body and i think there's a lot of like there's a lot of guys out there that are really influential riders and they have a, a definite right to be that they're on the water every day twice a day and they can they have the time to develop that muscle memory and response to their equipment that they can just they can have 20 different foils and throw one on and they're just instantly going to click with it. Whereas the average guy that gets out once a week, twice a week, or once every two weeks, I think it's more important for that person to have a consistent foil that performs across a broad range. And we've, we've that's really what we've done with our foils. We've tried to make it for that person that doesn't foil every day that they can get on it and still perform at a super high level to kind of lower that barrier entry barrier to entry for really high performance riding because that's that's where all the fun is right like being able to get on a tiny little wave and and not lose any speed and be able to jump onto a bigger piece of swell and shoot down and then like that kind of skate park action i think with a lot of with a lot of foils that have a, a really narrow efficiency band it's harder to do that you can make up for it with you know athleticism and just time on foil Whereas our foils kind of, I think about it as a cheat code to getting there. Um, 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. And also the fact that you can stay with your equipment um, a lot longer, which is like, that's what I've done, right? Yeah. Like I've stuck with my original foil for now. And I just wanted to, A, I just love how it rides. So I haven't been, I haven't hit that point yet for windsurfing or kiting for other aspects of things. It's like, oh, I need, I need to swap this out. This is now hindering my experience. Yeah. So far from flat water to overhead swell to whatever, it still rides well. Now <laughs> I'm going to get to try more gear, going to AWSI next year and all this different yeah. stuff. And I'm sure I'm going to fall in love with a bunch of brand new stuff because it's getting older. But there's one aspect of building like that and bringing that quiver along and then seeing what you can do. So I like that concept. Yeah, for sure. Like I think that's probably progressed your foiling and is that you've got really mm -hmm. locked into that piece of gear. And you can just mm. throw it around. And I'm, I'm assuming like, like you get, how often do you get on the water? Oh, when I'm, when I'm on the, on the island in the summertime for like June, July, August, almost every yeah, day. Nice. Yeah. Like I'll work, I'll work remote from some of the lakes and, and I, I was giving lessons at, with from Marie there at Elevation okay. yeah. two years ago. So yeah, so I was teaching there. So I get on quite a bit, um, but then we, we, I just don't get a lot of bigger conditions. So yeah. it's less, if you're in Ontario or if you get out to somewhere like Hood, then you can get out to play in a bit of the bigger stuff. But I see all these lakes as, as a, just dial down all the basics. So the basics are so nonsensical that you can do everything. And then when you go to the bigger stuff, you're hoping that, that once you get that chop and all that kind of wavery stuff and your heart's pumping a bit more, you're hoping that that's going to kind of relay to that. And gear has a huge, huge part of that. Yeah. So what you're going to really dig and like not even talking about car foils, just about what, what you're doing right yeah. now with your, with your 1550, which isn't great. Like, I think that's something to keep in keep for when you learn to surf foil. Um, but going up wind is going to be so much better when you're on a faster, more efficient foil, because you'll get up wind way faster and your arms will be less tired because you're just going to have because your foil is slower and has a lot of drag when you're pushing the speed faster, you're just going to have that, your arms will get way more pumped and you'll probably seen it. Like you'll see some like overweight guy, just like, just hammering. And it's like, how is his, how is his grip hand hanging out for this long? Like you must have a monstrous grip, okay. right? Like you probably yeah. have a higher grip strength than a rock climber right now, just from hanging onto that wing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm normally I can do two or three big up reaches and I'm gassed. Like I know yeah. it, it's it's older tech, and I'm like I'll be back in the island there in the spring and summer, so I'm I'm gonna come and find you, and I would love to try this out and do a bit of a review and demo yeah, on it, definitely. Um, because it'd be pretty sweet for that. But taking any trips this winter, this fall, bringing your gear anywhere to to showcase it to people. Or? Um, I'll get around. Yeah, we've got a we've got a new team rider in British Virgin Islands, so I'm pretty excited to get down there with him. Hey. The guy I know well from he was a, a former pro kiter with uh, with Ocean Rodeo, a strapless freestyle guy, and he's like his name's Graham Hardy. He's like just a super fun um, dude. So we'll probably oh, yeah, uh, I know Graham. No, of Graham. Oh, do you? Oh yeah, because you're an island guy too. Yeah. So yeah, he's a he's a new team rider of ours. We just we just ship gear to uh, to BDIs for him, and he's got a new a new job there. It's going to be working for, uh, well, actually, maybe I won't out his whole thing. I'm not sure what's <laughs> public, but yeah. Um, That's fine. But yeah, so so I'm probably going to get down there and do some do some filming with them. I'll uh, I'll be in La Ventana for sure. And uh, hopefully one or two more trips sprinkled in there. But I've got a one and a half year old. So 
it's all uh, everything okay. negotiation as far hey, as kind of trips go or winging trips. <laughs> For sure, yeah. But you're gonna have a young, uh, a young wing foil tester in the family soon, so that'll oh, be pretty cool. For sure, she's gonna be into it. She loves like got her into swimming early. She loves it, and like I love going to the playground with her. Like we, uh, it's like it's she's so independent. Like she's able to climb the structures and stuff. And there'll be like a four year old standing at the top of the big slide, like crying, and she'll kind of like try to like get past him to go down um i'm just like i don't think it's like our act like our what we've done i think she just is like she just has that kind of thing where she wants to send it so super lucky in that regard it's kind of a funny story my buddy and i were in maui years ago i think 2012 or something and we were at this little beach and there was this big uh like cliff jump spot And there was a six-year-old and so we're in this little channel, right? And there's like overhead stuff on the outside and she's swimming by us and my buddy's up top. It's like a 30-foot leap. And she's like, oh, my uncle, like I told my uncle, like if he doesn't jump soon, like he'll never jump. (laughs) And she's like chirping him on. And while she's on a boogie board, she goes out and plays in this crazy stuff. We're like, we're not going out there. (laughs) And then she just comes back in later. It's insane. Just like the mindset. And uh, the confidence and stuff, and just that the uh, Vancouver Island's a beautiful spot. You got so much water around that you get so comfortable with it. I think you're going to have a pretty fun time yeah. uh, with that, which is sweet. Yeah, I'm excited for it, man. Nice. Well, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that regard? Like, it would be cool to, to get to know a little bit more about your team members of who's working with you. Yeah. Um, and just to find out that. One thing, uh, actually, do you mind if I use the washroom? and come right back yeah yeah sure we can take a little break yeah that's fine all right everybody we're back from our little quick break here we're going to jump into just finding out like a i want to know a little bit more about you we kind of talked a little bit about your entry into foiling but i'd love to find out a little bit more about you and in that where did your passion for water sports when did that start that started uh i mean i remember being a little kid and looking forward all year to going to a provincial park in Ontario where there would be occasionally there'd be actual waves crashing and just going out and getting tumbled in the waves and trying to body surf. Um, then I got, my cousins had a wakeboard boat. So, you know, as like a, you know, a teenager, I'd be able to go like once a year, go out to their, their place and, uh, wakeboard. So I, I was just loved wakeboarding. Um, and all the kind of board sports, I had a skateboard and that. Um, and then I guess with water sports, my first thing was uh, I got a job at a company called Wilderness Tours, which is a whitewater rafting company uh, near near where you are in Ottawa. Um, so, so yeah, that was my entry into whitewater. So did a lot of like big wave surfing with the uh, in the rivers. Um, did that for for years. Um, started started kiting. My uncle. Um, had a little trailer in La Ventana, so went there and, and visited him. He was telling me he'd teach me to windsurf, but as soon as I saw people kiting, I was like, no, 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 no I, I want Forget that this one, one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I had like a super, super sketchy intro into kiting, like really old sea kites and just getting like dragged along the beach and all that. But eventually, eventually I figured it out um, in those early days and and kind of made it work, but I was in the military, like following that. So it was hard to find an opportunity, mm. but to, to do it based on our location, but I would take some trips here and there. And it became still my, my 
it became a passion for me. It's just, just that, that water and seeking that. And so when, um, I had an opportunity to get out of the military and have a move, um, my wife and I, at the time we chose Vancouver Island as a spot. Um, so that's when mm. I got a foil from Peter. Um, so I was starting a, a little adventure tour business, PTC people to kite on Northern Vancouver Island. Um, Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, so I guess that's kind of like, that's kind of the brings us up to present where, where, um, yeah, working with, with Justin and Peter to start this company and, and pursue our passion for creating a, a compelling product and, and something that will, will stand the test of time and give people access to that really high performance foiling that wouldn't otherwise be able to. Mm-hmm. So who tests your, your stuff? Are you guys doing team runner doing yeah that's it's all it's all internal um we have of course like guys that we trust that like locally here and in hood river and had guys in maui um so we did a we had a lot of different guys write our stuff and give feedback but ultimately it's an internal decision um what we move forward with and what we what we didn't and more so than not it's just building okay. it and seeing how it worked and you know you know pretty quickly um after trying a lot of stuff like if your simulation is is lining up to to reality right like you can make a you can make a wing that has mm-hmm. really good numbers and performs really well and it, it might perform in terms of how it like the efficiency but if it doesn't feel good like ultimately we're all out there to feel good so that was um that was a big thing for us is not only getting the system designed to be super efficient but it also has to feel really good and we also wanted it to feel really good right away it's not something that you have to grow into or you know take a couple sessions on it's no as soon as you hop on the foil you're going to be in love that was the that's the design goal oh nice yeah i'm stoked to try this out yeah man vic in the spring is super fun can we talk a little bit about your favorite spots down south in there do you go out to ross bay with the crew or yeah i do ross bay oh, that's nice. a that's a common spot just because it's like 15 minutes from my house so oh beautiful I'll, I'll hit that um when it's when we get that kind of like um southwest wind um and it's it's nice you get that like you get that day where you get that tide wrapping around so when the tide's flowing in you actually get better waves because it's wrapping around the bay and it's it's kind of shooting out this point so you get those standing waves that standing wave train there that you can ride um oh yeah and then when it's going the other way it's ebbing there's a couple other spots like further downwind where you get like shallower um points where it like the, the mixture of the tide and the wind creates some some nice little waves to to session yeah that's a beautiful spot a little kelp and there was what a massive sea lion one day just a huge guy in there so you're like all right don't fall <laughs> <laughs> but the rest i haven't seen an orca there yet so that's all right i've seen orcas with not wow winging um we have little, little okay. dolphins and stuff around too which would be which i love okay. i love with it's not like the tropical places where you're constantly surrounded by whales and we don't have sharks so yeah that's true well we i guess we do have sharks but not a not the scary type yeah, fair enough. So, well, um, if people are looking to a get to know about you more, um, what's the easiest way for them to reach out to you and your team and to find yeah, you well, here, obviously? Omenfoils.com and we have a uh, on any of our product pages, we've got a, a little thing that you can ask a specific question on that product. So right now that's going to me. Um, and then as well, there's a contact form. So so yeah, hit us, uh, drop us a line. 
Um, feel free to ask anything about our, our foils, uh, boards. Yeah. Stoked to, uh, stoked to, you know, talk gear with anybody. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Well, Hey man, thanks for taking time on a, uh, Tuesday to join us here and just introduce you to your brand. And, uh, we'd love to have you back on in the future, talk about more innovation, see what you guys are, are working on. And I am looking forward to trying this stuff out when I get to the island in the summer. Yeah, definitely. We got to get you on the gear and then, uh, and then do a podcast to, uh, to get your feedback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be sweet. No, my buddy George is just raving about it. Um, and, and, and love the board and, uh, yeah, I got to try it. When was it? How many knots was it? It was, uh, it was maybe 20 to 25 knots with some decent little swell uh, and the foil was big but the board itself was a I, I love the design and the concept so yeah thanks had to chat about it yeah i think like one thing people get surprised at with our boards is is the low end on them and i think there's two there's two attributes to low end on a board there's like the one people think about a lot which is how efficient is it riding before you can get up onto foil and then the other is the other is that when it's underwater how well does it climb up out of the water onto the surface? Because with most boards, generally mm. like a well-designed board, if you're on the surface, you can ride. Like you, you'll be able to get up with proper wing technique. Um, so that's one thing about our boards. People can ride a lot smaller than, than they normally would in terms of volume. So when it's underwater, the board actually acts like a wing. So like any surface, when you're sinking this board, got this big wide tail which gives you lift so that gets the board to the surface and then it's going really slow so you're getting still a minimal amount of lift from that but it's mostly displacing water and that's where this kind of like these rounded features make it efficient for for displacing and then as it goes faster and faster you're getting more and more lift from uh, which is called you know planings when you're basically just moving along on only the lift of the board and you're getting left from the foil. So the whole system is kind of getting displacing less water. So we took that, that kind of idea and designed a board around that. And the width of the 40 anyway, and the 36 is really just set by the comfortable distance you have to place your feet. So that really is what, is what drove the width there. Okay. Um, and I also find for surfing, like if it's narrower, I feel like I'm unstable, like, um, popping up on a really narrow board. So I kind of like the, this like 19 uh, mm -hmm. inch wide for width. Um, so yeah, that, that's really like what I think lets us get away with having less foils and why our customers that are, have like the, the full setup are happy is because they've got the 72 or even like a monster, like the, the 84 that allows them to get the 1050 up and just that kind of like 10, 12 knots, like super light wind before there's even waves worth riding generally. Um, and then they'll go down to something smaller like the 40 or the 48. Mm. That's something that you can just like, you can actually get up in a really light wind too. Not not 10 knots for sure, but people are getting up our 48 and 12, 13 knots. Um, so so yeah, that that quiver of boards, I think works really well for for our customers that have, that have gone that route and lets you really just have one or maybe two foils if, you, if you're ending up in bigger stuff and want to have the 850. Because that's one thing that not a lot of brands are doing, right? Because they'll either have, they're either board makers, they're either foil makers, or they're either masks, because there's some that are just doing masks, and then they're, they're using 
kind of different connection pieces so you can use it with all these. But it's not often where you can go to the one company and get the whole thing and have that thought process, design it working together like an airplane would, I guess, in essence. Like you're not going to have all that stuff made and built and just mash things together. Like the whole thing gets built for one purpose. Yeah. And like an air, an airplane, like Boeing will come up with the overall design, but it's all subbed out. Like it's all subbed out to different, uh, different mm. companies. So for us, part of the reason we only wanted to do a couple foils is, I mean, we believe in that philosophy of having less, doing more with less, but it's also, we want to have the best 1050 and the best 850 possible like we want people to get on that foil and just be like this is way better we're not we're not spending money on you know sending people to tahiti and getting amazing footage to sell our foils we were selling based on the performance and the design attributes so we wanted to really focus on building and designing the absolute best and make we make that in our own in our own shop um near hood river um to make sure we have quality control and when we've designed it we take into account the layup and how the wing um, interacts with the rest of the system um, to be able to kind of have that holistic approach. Whereas with the mast, it's amazing to have a company like No Limits that is doing such amazing work on mast that we don't have to, we can have the best mast in the market without having to design and build the best mast in the market. And similar with Apple Tree, like if Apple Tree didn't exist, we wouldn't have boards just because we wouldn't, I know we wouldn't be able to have mm -hmm. the best board on the market if the construction wasn't what it, wasn't what it was. I think it'd be a good board, but having Dan and all their experience sorting out all the problems, like, you know, it's when you've released something to, to the market and you haven't really tested robustly, you're going to have failures at the track. You're going to have, you're going to have problems all over. So being able to kind of be able to design it and tweak the variables to make it exactly what we want, but not have to worry about everything else it's allowed us to do so much more. So, so yeah, kind of to your point about the airline. Um, yeah, that's been a, that's been a big win for us kind of stepping mm -hmm. into this industry. Like the sport is still very young, but it's not its infancy. There's, there's people that are doing things right. And we've been able to leverage their, their success and talents. Well, Hey, like I'm just putting it out there. If you need me to fly to Tahiti and test out some gear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got some boys here that hop on a yeah, flight tomorrow for sure. Hey, I could just use a, I could use a free place <laughs> in Tofino to test some gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah, actually. Yeah. We we're getting, we didn't get, what did I get this year? I, I actually started yeah. to surf this year because we didn't get a lot of wind. I was there for like three or four months or something, but I don't know. I'm, the spring, I'm looking forward to a spring in, at Long Beach and South Chestermans and stuff. I think it's going to be epic. We got some really good stuff there. It's world class. Like you get South Chestermans, you get side off down the line, wave sailing, which you get in Maui, you get in like Punta San Carlos, you get in other spots in the world, but to have that accessible on one spot uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you've got to get down here regardless of the conditions, because whether it's windy or wavy, like I'll take you out and we'll, we'll prone surf. Like it's, it's a way easier spot to learn to prone surf, uh, like prone okay. surf foil than it is in Tofino. Because Tofino, you get that like really quick kind it's of close out. Yeah. You got to be up and like over and pumping out. Whereas here we get these kind of like mush balls that just go and you can get on and you have so much more time. We to like mush around. balls. And especially like, yeah, especially a board like, like our... 60 meter like that's the other benefit of these boards like compared to a, a 60 liter where they've tried to make it as short as possible you're 
it's really awkward to paddle those boards because you're you're too wide. Yep. Whereas all our boards are designed to be prone foil boards as well as wing boards. So this thing to oh, learn that's a good point to, note, actually. to prone foil on is just it's just makes it so much easier than getting like for my weight, like I'm normally on our, our 40 liter, but this thing just, it makes it so easy. Okay. Well, yeah, we got man. some things to test and try in the coming future. Turn on. Well, Luke, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I like, I really appreciate having a platform for, to talk about our gear. And I love what guys like you are doing for our sport. It makes a big difference, like in people learning and like progressing and choosing equipment. So, so yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, I, we, I do this evenings, weekends, whenever. And uh, yeah, definitely appreciate to get to talk to you guys too, who are like at the end of the day, we're pushing, we just want people to have fun. And then this is how we have fun. So we're, we're just hoping to share that out to the world. And and we need people like yourselves who take this chance to go out and try something and then put in some money, R&D. Because it, it's like a lot of people will think that there's a lot of money that gets thrown around. But it's actually a lot harder to do some of these things than we think. Like it takes a while to find investors. It's difficult to set up corporations in this way and then to find, to make these business connections and then to do that. So kudos to you guys as well. And stoked to meet you in person uh, yeah. this summer. Yeah, man. We're going to, our logo, our like slogan was almost going to be, we take fun seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, cool. Well, hey, thanks everybody for joining us tonight and uh, we will uh, chat with you soon. Thanks, Luke.